and we're here doing a thing. And Corey's already getting multilingual on. I'm not here for it, guys. I don't abla. No, I barely abla. I abla enough to say two. <laughs> I know uno Spanish word, and I just used it. Ah, uh, well, see. Si. Oh, see, you've got your, you've got your, you've got your two. You've yeah, got your two. <laughs> anyway, so we're here to bring you another exciting episode. Yes, and this one, a lot of things have happened over the past two weeks, so welcome to past two weeks tonight. I am your host, Nancy, <laughs> and this and this I'm is Corey. The... <laughs> right? Hi. Totally not ripping off John Oliver. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. <laughs> uh, copyright strike. He wouldn't do that to us. He doesn't even know who we are. Exactly. So, back to the news. We got news, guys. It's leading off the news today. Shigeru Miyamoto wants Nintendo to be as big as Disney, but concerned parents are making it difficult. This is what happens when millennials grow up and start having kids. You can't make the same amount of money off of them like you used to. So, last month, he became a Japan person of culture. He was recognized as a, as a person of cultural merit in Japan. Um, and at the same event, he revealed that he would like Nintendo to one day be as large as Disney. The main concern is that many parents, and I quote, this is um, translated from him, that many parents want to keep their children from playing video games. But these same parents have no problem allowing them to watch Disney movies. We cannot seriously challenge Disney unless parents start feeling comfortable about their children playing Nintendo. Okay. I mean, I kind of see where he's coming from, right? Because we watch a lot of content, right? Yeah. That's basically the premise of this entire Let's Talk. Yes. So <laughs> we, we consume a lot of content. But however, I feel more mentally stimulated when I play video games. Agreed. And I mean, there are educational video games out there, and like there are plenty of child-friendly games that Nintendo has made. Like Nintendo has always been of making family-friendly video games. So, and in the world like now, where video games are much more commonplace, and a lot of kids are consuming content on YouTube, which is something we'll talk about later. Spoilers. Um, they're consuming a lot of media on YouTube of people playing video games. So why can't they play them themselves? And that's, I guess, the million-dollar question. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, they're watching all those Fortnite, you know, videos and stuff, but they would, honestly, they would be learning a lot more if they were playing it themselves because it teaches good hand-eye coordination. Like, there's a lot of perks to playing video games. Like, like I said, it's ment mentally stimulating. You can have the great hand-eye coordination. You have puzzle solving, so like you have to like work your way through things. Like there's different different strokes for different folks, basically. And I guess it's more back to that stigma of video games are violent, video games are bad for you. Right, which the despite every article polarizes. that's come out about the entire subject forever, it's just not true. But it's the media hype around bad. This is something we can blame. Violent video games cause this. Violent video games cause that. Video games cause this. But yet Disney can go around and 
characters or have dead characters or have super dark themes that are underlined in bright shiny colors oh. and no one bats an eye because disney is disney. fucked up guys because yeah, disney's you know wraps it in a bow sings some pretty songs and you forget all about the troubles that disney's brought into your life like you know you you watch like parents die like people are still forever traumatized from mufasa dying bambi's mom dying and then like you've got like like really suggestive scenes that get thrown in there you've got a lot of racism that's <laughs> we can't forget about the history of disney and racism <laughs> man the mouse is after us guys probably more after me because Corey at least has like his shrine dedicated to the mouse i don't have that so i don't have i don't have a protection totem against when disney finally comes for me with all the shit i talk about them but I still have Disney Plus and I still love all their content. It's a really weird relationship that we have. See, I know. I understand. I do. <laughs> I like the mouse. About it. The mouse is a good mouse. Until he's not a good mouse anymore. Really puts you in your place sometimes. But moving on from this, we're going to talk a little bit more about video. This week, this past week, we actually saw the launch of the possibly long-awaited, much-anticipated... <laughs> Say these with huge air quotes and question marks? Uh, Google Stadia. Dun, dun, dun. And there were some issues, you know, some overheating Chromecast. Oof. Let's not talk about how it looks on PC. Isn't it supposed to be able to stream in like 1080 and okay. it's supposed to stream in 4K? And let me Let's guess. Let's talk about choppy connections. Let's no. talk about drop frame rates. Oh, goodness. It was looking bad. It was looking rough. Maybe they were, like, making these promises of, like, the 4K and all that other stuff to places that had Google Fiber. <laughs> Maybe. So, apparently it's a step up in graphical quality, right? Now, this is coming from IG. Um, there were some latency issues. Well, latency, I mean, like, you have to expect latency, though, because this is something that is not, like, directly connected to anything. It's not, like, an actual console. It is still technically a streaming service. Like when you Bluetooth the YouTube video to a speaker, there's going to be some like disconnect there and you can only make it so close. So I get it. But it's different in a gaming atmosphere because with gaming, latency causes mistakes, which can then sometimes be fatal in certain games. So you have to make sure that things are, you know, weighted accordingly and you can't change games that they're uploading with Stadia to right. fit their latency issue. Yeah, I mean... One of the things that they could have done that they didn't do was it is stuck to where it's Wi-Fi only. There is no way to hardwire it in because it relies on a Chromecast to play it. Mm -hmm. Now, an advantage to that is if you have a couple of Stadia controllers, you can take it and go to a friend's house, hook up on their Wi-Fi, and play Stadia. So, in theory, it's great. Um, and things will get better for it. It does need to get some of the newer games, we would hope. Right. Like, if it's going to get taken seriously, it needs to have actual, like, launch titles, because otherwise it's like, oh, we're just going to become yeah, a backlog like, I mean, catalog for games that you want to play. Red Dead Redemption 2 is on it, which is great. Right. It's not that old. Uh, Final Fantasy 15 is on it. Um, you know, you get Mortal Kombat and a couple of other games, a couple of other main games. So, I don't think it's worth the value at the moment at 150 bucks. No. Like... Because even still, like, you have you have a few games, the Wi-Fi capability, you also need, and, like, being able to play with your friends is nice, but, like, how many people do you know that were 
I got to get Stadia at launch. I don't know anybody who has Stadia. I don't know anybody who has Stadia either. And I don't have anyone that I think even really wants Stadia at this present moment. I think it's the waiting game is what a lot of people are waiting on, especially because we know these issues of the latency, which is probably something, like I said, it's not going to, but them overheating Chromecast, like that can be problematic because those aren't necessarily the cheapest things to replace. Well, the thing with it is this. So you're paying a subscription to use Stadia. Right. And then you still have to pay for the games. That, no. So for example, Tomb Raider is the lowest priced option available at $20. Okay. $10 if you have Stadia Pro. If you buy it on Steam, it's 5 bucks. If you don't already own it. Right. And you're already and you're already shelling out like $130 for basically the controller. Like if we're being honest here, like it's a $130 controller. Yeah. That's just Wi-Fi capable, which is cool, but it's definitely not worth $130. Maybe 80. Do you hear about their Maybe. mint green color? Oh, so cute. Still not worth $130. That was targeted as gender neutral? Eh. Which? Neither here nor there. My question, my only question is, wouldn't black and white still be kind of gender neutral? Yeah, but then you're race baiting. (laughs) I don't know anybody who... Oh, that's fine. Mm Mm-hmm. So if any Martians are listening, petition Google to not make your green color. Right. No Zognoids, please. Like, so, But yeah, so anyways, um, it'll be interesting to see what Stadia does in the future. Um, I mean, like I said, for right now, I don't know anyone that's interested in actually like going and grabbing it. Like I said, $80, I think, is a fair yeah, price I... point it, for like the controller and then like maybe like getting to be able to use Google Stadia if they're going to be charging for games. If they're not char- like they can charge $130. Don't charge me for the game. Honestly, if like, you're going to look at these streaming game options, if you have a, a Microsoft account and you have a PC, use Xbox Game Pass for PC. Problem solved. And you pay a subscription, but you have all of these games available to stream. If you have a PS4 and want to try a streaming game option, there's the PlayStation Now. There's other ways to do it, and at least those you don't have to pay for the game. You just pay for the subscription for older games. Right. So, I mean, you're, you kind of take what you get, but at this point, Stadia's games are at least a year old well. Right. And we don't really have any information on anything that could be coming to Stadia, right? Like, I mean, I haven't really looked to see what's upcoming. I know Cyberpunk 2077 is. Right, which I think is... But that's also coming to PS4 and Xbox One and B. Yeah, and, like, I'm not going to spend $130 plus purchasing the game to play a game on a console that I already and also doesn't almost melt my Chromecast. And that I could play. Yeah. It, like, have the same experience on. Exactly. Without frame rate issues. Yeah. Like, they, I, I don't want to say, like, they need an exclusive, but they kind of almost need an exclusive, or they need to fix a lot of things, including price point, in order for me to jump onto it. Because, like, the idea, like I said, like, the idea, especially with us, being able to play over your Wi-Fi would be beneficial. It would. It would really, I mean, just with the way we hang out and everything, it would. Like we could do it in the, we we could go play in the garage, we could play in the living room, we can play We're in the computer. We have to room. hang out with a bunch of different things, and it's great in theory. Right. What could be a killer app for them is if Google could make a deal with Nintendo. Ooh. See, if Google can actually just make developer deals, 
help this. This will never happen if the pipe dream. Well, but maybe not because Miyamoto wants to compete with Disney. What better way to compete with Disney than partnering with Google? You put yourself on a little bit more of a platform, but then Nintendo also faces the risk that they just become a developer. Because if you can get Nintendo games on Stadia for less than a Switch. That's true. That's a fine and line they have to when walk. You plug it in any TV, what's the disadvantage? Right. Because you can play it on your laptop as long as you're connected to Wi-Fi. I guess the advantage of the Switch is you don't have to connect it. Yes. I mean, the Switch is still, like, I know most people play it as a handheld. I actually still use my Switch as, like, the docking, and that's just my preferred method, because I don't really... Lately, 50-50. I, have... I really don't. Like, I'll play, like, sometimes I'll play games on the go with my Switch, but nine times out of ten, it's docked, and that's just the way I prefer playing video games just in general. I like being able to sit and focus, knock out a couple of hours. I can't, like, pick it up for, like, 20 to 30 minutes on a lunch break and then set it down. I've never been that type of person. See, I can't. Well, it very much depends on the game I'm playing. Right. Well, like, I know, like, you've also, like, grown up playing Pokemon. A lot of, like, things that, like, you can do a lot of things in a short amount of time. Yep. Where me, it's like, I play games like, you know, Super Mario, Breath of the Wild, like, Mario Odyssey. Like, Mario Odyssey was one of the but I liked seeing it on the big screen, so I only played it docked, and it's just because I loved how the game looked. So it was a little different. But, like, my gaming style doesn't work with the handheld. Because, like, I'm not into, I'm not really into Pokemon. I've never played a Pokemon game. <gasps> um, yeah, for actually, we might find a way to fix that. I know. It's just, now's not the time. <laughs> like, no. I've got, I've got enough gaming on my plate right now. <laughs> so, once, once my year mellows out a little bit, we'll talk about it. But, you know, it's just, like, that's my gaming style. So, like, I mean, like I said, like, Stadia appeals to me in that respect, that, like, it convenient for my lifestyle but there's too many negatives right now for me to buy into it <laughs> yeah i'm in theory stadia is great if it didn't really charge you to play it, like if it was just 130 bucks to get the subscription and you didn't have to pay for the games i probably would be interested right and that's where i'm more advantageous to thinking about doing something like the xbox game pass since i sit here on my computer right um in the future, we'll see what happens. Or maybe even if we had Wi-Fi like Japan. <laughs> right. Then maybe um, in the latency, I don't think would be an issue at that point. No. But Nancy, did you know the future is here? Future is here. And our boy, Mr. Elon Musk. The meme lord himself. Meme lord Elon Musk. created a new meme in this whole thing. And it's beautiful. <sighs> so of course we are talking about Cybertruck. Our beautiful polygonal PS1 bastard child. Oh boy, can I not wait to run around and start acting out GTA in this polygonified truck. Lord help me, I want it so bad. It's a giant fucking triangle. It's a giant polygon. <laughs> it's like I'm looking at a mountain in a PS1 game. Oh. No, see, like, it's still got, it's still got the car features, though, because, like, you have something that resembles, like, wheels, and, like, there's, like, little lights, and then, like, the point at the top. I mean, It's yes, a GTA the, car. The wheels are actually wheels, but notice how you're more just, you're more drawn in toward the center, which is Barbie. That's true. Art. So, it, it really is art. Like, the line work on it is fantastic. Definitely not at all what we had originally anticipated Ultra with the Tesla truck. From, it is... It's, Made from ultra-hard, 30-time, cold-world stainless steel. Oof. That was a lot of words to say that this is a strong boy. If they say if there was something better, they'd use it. 
I love how cocky Tesla is. No dents. I... Eliminate dents, damage, and long-term corrosion with a smooth monochrome exoskeleton. Dude, can you imagine what it would be like being able to just plow through Houston traffic with one of these trucks? Uh-huh. I would never worry about getting into an accident again. <laughs> you have bulletproof glass. Bulletproof. That shattered when they threw a rock at it. It was a steel ball. I know, essentially. But yeah, and even you had you had disclosed that it was third throw. Second or third throw at it. Right. So there's some work to be done. I will say the interior looks really nice. It does, doesn't it? Like, Look at that. That's clean. Like that the details of the seats, like they're still like they're still polygonal, but they're not they're they don't look like the outside of the truck. <laughs> so you right now, I like it. Like I would legitimately own this. So thirty five hundred pounds of payload capacity. It's got vault-like storage. Look at this. Sol- a giant solar panel, basically, on the top of the thing. Right. To so, help recharge the batteries inside of it. It can tow 1,400 pounds. Adaptive suspension so it can lower itself for you. You can charge a damn ATV on it. Now I need to go get a Tesla ATV, too. Like, so I'm going to be... And you can pitch a tent over the thing. Dude, and I'm going to... And then plug up a, an electric griddle to it. It has fucking camping features. Man, let's go. Let's let's I, just buy a Tesla truck and go live out in the woods because nothing will stop us. What are they gonna do? They can't. It, we got bulletproof glass coming our way. We got dent-proof cars. Zero this thing to can, sixty in two point nine seconds, five hundred miles of range. Dang. And it just it it can go so fast. So it hits all. It legitimately hits every single need I've needed. I want a car that it can get up and go. Which all Teslas can because of all of that wonderful torque that comes from electric cars, but it can still haul the shit for my horrible shopping habits. Okay. And it can go and it's better for the environment and it's a fucking Tesla. I want a Tesla so bad. And since Elon Musk, the wonderful man that he is, says that he wants this car to be, or this truck to be 40000 That's within budget to, for like regular people and he even says that Cybertruck is the official truck of mars and you know as a scorpio and mars is one of my ruling planets it is my secondary i would be doing a disservice to all my scorpios out there if i didn't get a tesla truck because it is the truck of my planet (laughs) all right change the subject i still love that beautiful bastard oh the roadster oof it makes me feel some type of way like Roaring Rapids, maybe. I think that's the right way. <laughs> Goes to 100 miles in less than four seconds. In about four seconds. Honestly, it's probably best I don't own a car like that. Could you imagine the type of trouble I would get into <laughs> with the way I drive? That's why I would just want probably something like that. Do you want the Model X? Uh, I like the Model 3. The Model 3, isn't it? I like the roof on the Model 3, um, with just like how open it is. But I also feel like that would suck in Texas heat. Yeah, I like the Model 3, though. I mean, the Model S is not. But... I mean, the Model S is definitely like a mom. That's like a Woodlands mom car. <laughs> right. No, that's a Woodlands mom car. No, because they still want something that's a little bit more bougie. That's too small. You can't fit all the stuff that you're trying to hide from your husband at Macy's. You're talking more like, you know, Model X. Right. Yeah. 
I'd see the Model S more as like a business style car. Oh yeah, I can see that. I can see that being like, like a business. Yeah, going downtown and. Whereas this is more positioned as that kind of family car. I don't really view them. The Model Three gives me more of a sports vibe than family. If I'm being honest. Gives me more. Yeah, I guess. Like it's just, and I think it's partially the design of the roof. I think that's a big part of it. Like. But to me, it just, it has more of, like, that sporty vibe. It looks like a smaller car. Like, it's, it's got, like, the front end of one. Anyway, off subject. So, back to the news. Back to the news. Our final subject. And, oh boy, is this one a doozy. We're going to talk about a little here of Copa. That's right, YouTube creators are worried and confused over new kid video Copa rules and potential fines. So, I think before we get into this specifically, it might be good to just talk about what COPA is. So that way we're kind of all on the same page, right? So, basically, to, to do a TLDR, COPA is a law that was put into action in the 2000s that the protected children yeah, the children's online privacy protection rule cool. um put it was voted into law in the late 90s law was enacted in the year 2000 um, essentially it is just to protect the privacy of children online right tldr tldr and it was make it was it also like specified like oh you need to get consent and that's why back in the olden days when all of our kids children shows would be like come check out our website but make sure you've got your parents permission before you know going online well, it was for copa well right and but it's because of, copa. because of copa yeah but what ended up happening on youtube was parents profited off their children oh without mean... their children's consent which is really what kick-started all of this was when youtube had to remove a lot of the videos with children mm-hmm. is it kick-started this with parents profiting off of them without their consent to appear in the video right and unfortunately, that letter, whole rabbit hole has led us to what could potentially be the end of YouTube. No way. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And we're going to kind of get into that. So this one is more, this one's kind of a heavy topic. Because there's a lot, there's a lot of moving pieces with this one. So, like, general, general understandings of this, of this law. So it can basically target any... Any video that it deems like kid friendly or does kid advertisements. And if they find you guilty of it, you can face a fine of up to $42,530 per violation. And that's over whatever type of catalog that channel may have. So, unfortunately, for content creators, that requires them to go to every single one of their videos that is not for children. Unfortunately, that's not a guaranteed safeguard. Right. Because you can still be labeled not for children, but if something about your content appeals to children, it can still get classified as children's content. And a lot of um, YouTube videos that fall under this category are ones like Let's Plays and Animation. And these are all of the... This is basically like the... What's the word I'm looking for? Collateral damage. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. That's basically the collateral damage area that we're looking at because of this this COPA 
YouTube scandal that's taking effect next month. Like it is coming and it is coming soon. So you may have noticed a lot of your favorite content creators out there ending and <clears throat> changing the way their content now appears to you to fall into the guidelines of what this is requesting of to maintain their channels. Right. Uh, and you've got, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of content creators that are speaking out against COPA or at least trying to be like inform, you know, try to inform people about COPA. So that way, once this shift happens, because you got to think too, and this is, this is my biggest issue with this whole COPA thing is that YouTube has a, a place for kids. It's YouTube kids. Correct. Does anybody use it? Nope. No. And that... And that's been my biggest issue with YouTube from the beginning, right? Because once upon a moon in a YouTube, not, actually not that far away, we had a place where you could swear, you could put some of the, like YouTube in its golden age. It was the wild, wild west, right? YouTube didn't know what it was doing. People were just uploading videos. And that's when we got some of like the best YouTube content. Right. You know, and like advertisers were still there and people were making money and it was fine. But it's once the kids started once mobile devices were like, oh, I can just put, you know, YouTube videos on and people started making the kids content. Unfortunately, and you see South Park compared to this a few years ago. Right. Something like this would, not this entirely would happen, but how popular YouTube had become. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, yeah, it's now with parents putting their kids just on devices, they end up migrating to YouTube and seeing videos, watching content over right. and over and over again, and go down the rabbit holes and may see that aren't kid friendly right and they i mean that's the recommended though and like you got to think too is because no one uses the youtube kids account which like it had youtube kids actually been used like the same way a lot of other kid things are it would be a totally different ball game yeah. because all of the kids content would have stayed there and we would have still had like youtube where you don't have to worry about not swearing in the first minute of the video because it's not advertiser friendly yeah. Or, honestly, the Jake and Logan Pauls of the world. Because their audience is kid-based. Yeah. And they've gone on record saying that they have a young audience. And they would advertise their merch in their videos and just make it look like it's a part of the video, which is part of what Copa's addressing here. Is the creators like, I, I hate to say it, but like Logan and Jake Paul, who advertise stuff in their videos in the... The unbox the kid that does all the unboxing who has more money than a kid his age should. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is it like Ryan Ryan's or something? I don't know. There's, uh, you'll you you know the YouTuber. I swear everyone knows who this little kid is, and he just unboxes toys for a living, and he's made stupid amounts of money off of. <laughs> but his channel's probably going to go away if we're being realistic here, right? Right. Because that is exploitation well it's exploitation and his entire channel is basically just toy ads mm -hmm. it's just a real life kid who's less real life now because he's been a youtube content creator for a long time like let's be real that's just like how youtube is yeah it's not the same type of raw entertainment anymore a lot it's it's more planned there's more production value between like behind youtube videos now which is great because yeah. it makes yeah. for good content you know but it's it's still not the same so like, his entire channel is basically just being a giant ad for whatever toy decides to get sent their way from whatever toy manufacturer it is because e it's easy advertising. Well, and that's the thing. And a lot of those sponsored unboxings 
may go away. Right. When it comes to it, depending on what your content labeled as. Yes, because, and this was something that, you know, because um, I, like I said, I watch a lot of YouTube. Matt Pat kind of talked about like children's advertising and how children up to the age of eight can't discern whether or not an ad in a video is an ad or just a part of the video. Mm-hmm. And unless it's explicitly stated that this is in fact an ad. So there's there's a lot of issues that go along with that. And that's what Copa went to fight out in the beginning because advertisers realized, oh, kids are going on the internet, let's advertise to kids. Yep. So Copa shut it down. So when the internet was first starting, it was great. Now there's so much more gray area. It very much is. I mean, the internet's something you can't regulate as easily as there as they originally thought they could as it's grown into access to other places that it wasn't accessible in before even since copa itself was started right and we also got to think too is like this is on a global scale Mm -hmm. you know and that's the and i think that's the thing that a lot of people have a hard time grasping because we all because i mean we're all very egocentric right so we just think like you know like oh youtube is an america it's it's an american company it was made in america this is just like this is affecting here but this is a global thing that's going to end up happening so like you have all these like youtube communities from all around the world that like we wouldn't even know existed that are going to get affected by this as well like this is monumental because it's going to reach out into other channels and other creators song artists those on youtube who do videos for those um parody videos that could use things that could be misconstrued as kids, you know, like puppet videos. Um, no, not the Harry Potter puppet pal there's video. There's so many areas it can reach into. And it doesn't matter if your channel's old and you don't upload to it anymore. If it deems something that you had uploaded in the past, it's going to find you. And again, that's a hefty fine. And like private videos kind of go away a little bit right. in that sense, too, because it's combed over. Mm-hmm. And that that almost $43,000 fine per violation is an astronomical number. That's the maximum. I know. So keep in mind that it depends on... The creator, I'm sure. Well, it's going to... I think it more depends on the infraction. True. Or the amount of times you've been fined or how seriously, you know, it is. Like, if you're doing a whole video and never want to mention it's an ad and it's an ad video, that may warrant a higher fine. Right. So, but either way, like you've got to think that that is people's salaries for the entire year. Yep. That is like that's not something to mess around with, and it's per violation, and that's, that's the, the thing that YouTuber annual salary just about right. If you look at it, and, average popular YouTuber, right? Which, which it's fairly steady, but like you got to think it's also per violation, right? So, like, either way, like, even if it's not the max fine every single time, that's still enough to completely ruin someone's life. Yeah. So, I, I mean, this is just something that, like, we're going to want to make sure that we're mindful of because it's, it's, it's honestly going to be changing my number one source of entertainment because I watch more YouTube than anything else. See, and I'm curious to see how it will affect my, dear, my daily YouTube watch. Mm-hmm. Because I there's occasional let's plays I watch and they're definitely not for kids, right? Um, but it also makes me wonder how things like ABGN are labeled. True. How other movie how movie review content is going to be labeled? How TV show reviews 
Unbelievable. Geekdom, no. Well, yeah, exactly, because of Dragon Ball. Right. Or how that whole spectrum is going to go with the anime reviewers. Because that's a whole other issue, is because you can have an anime channel, and you may not be targeted for kids. But, but it's still a cartoon. But you're reviewing anime. You may drop an F-bomb or two in your video, and that's definitely not going to be labeled as kid-friendly. And you can label it not for kids, and it's still not matter, because it still appeals to the children's demographic, because you're reviewing an episode of One Piece that maybe little Bobby just watched for the first time. Right. And so to go on YouTube and popular video. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest problem with this, is that it's not concise in like what exactly it's going to be channeling because like you got to think like okay so who's defining what's safe for kids or and what's kid content and what's not and there's no way that a single like a team of people are going to be able to go through video by video by video so uh to make sure that this is in fact not kids content but just so happens to overlap in some areas and it's going to be the youtube algorithm failure all over again because unfortunately another group is going to hit pro wrestling content creators mm-hmm because then, again, there's going to be a lot of them that aren't friendly. Hell, we can, at this point, if we had a YouTube channel, it would definitely be us. Right. In a sense. I mean, yes. Well, we also don't no, have any ads. But we don't like, have ads. That's, that's, that's the one saving grace that we have right now is that for, we still have decided to not make any money off of how much time we've invested. You're welcome, America. And the one listener we have in Brazil. I thought it was Chile. Oh, know. maybe it was Chile. Whoever you are, shout out. We appreciate you. <laughs> so, yeah, like this is this is really going to be. Unfortunately, it's going to be one of those things that like we have to wait and see what happens. I think it's important that we talk about it though, and we are at least aware that this is something that's going on because it is going to be changing a major entertainment platform permanently. I mean, I mean unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Like, people are saying that even PewDiePie, like, our YouTuber granddaddy, like, OG YouTuber, like, our king of nine, the king of the nine-year-old, right? He is, you know, he, he could be at risk, too, just because, like, you know, he just got done playing, like, Minecraft series. He got done doing, you know, he, he's been around forever, and, like, he does have a kid. It's not anything that... You know, it's not anything that, like, we're going to be able to know until it happens. So. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not. But <laughs> it we'll sucks. keep an eye on it and see what happens. See who goes away and bites the dust. Dun, who stays dun, around. Dun, 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 dun. Speaking of staying around, one more topic for you. We're just going to, we're going to slip this in really quick. Because, you see, it's been about 12 years since a little game called... Half-Life 2 came out, and this past week, oh, we got a trailer for the recently announced Half-Life Alex, and okay, I'm hyped. I'm, I can't no. play it cool anymore. No, this is awesome. I, I'm, it, it makes me really actually want to buy into VR just so I can play this. This is a game that VR needs, a killer app for VR. Right, and like that was something that I was talking about too, because with and I it, we'll go into a tangent, a Nancy tangent here, just before um we actually start talking about it, is that like my biggest caveat with VR and one of the reasons that I haven't bought into it is that I don't feel like we've ever gotten like a full game. I feel like everything that's come out for VR is a demo. There's not enough depth. There's not enough like into it. It's all like 
like shallow mechanics or like a cool concept that like doesn't get explored a lot just because like i mean honestly the technology isn't there yet like we get that or at least it wasn't in the beginning so granddaddy valve came along granddaddy valve came along and we got what in my opinion looks like a fully fleshed out or flushed out i'm sorry not flushed out fully flushed out vr game where it's got the sto- it's got a plot, it's got story, it's got graphics, and it's got VR mechanics, like like integrated into actual honest to god gameplay, not just like oh this is something fun that I'm going to do, right? And I'm glad that we're finally getting to this point of VR because this is the kind of thing I've been waiting for, like being able it's it's still a first person shooter, but now it's in VR, which is great, and it just becomes a part of the game. It's not like that's all you're doing, right? You know. System requirement. Oh, yay. I'm so, not going to be able to do this. Yeah. They recommend an i5, 7500, Ryzen 5, 1600 minimum, uh, 16 gigs RAM minimum, GTX 1060, RX 580. It's going it, to take a lot of power. So, guys, you remember what we said about the whole ad thing? <laughs> not an ad. Hashtag not an ad. Don't come for us, Kappa. Kappa, no. So. I am excited. But Half-Life 3 is still not confirmed because this technically takes place between 1 and 2, correct? Yes. It's a prequel to Half-Life 2. Um, I bring it. Let's go. I'm going to get me a Valve Index. If you have one, it's free. Otherwise, it's going to cost 60 bucks. Comes out March. It gives us, hey, tax return money. Let's go. <sighs> Maybe. But that's it for the news. I think we covered our news. Woo news! Yay! On to the next one. Hey, Corey. Did you know that you can interact with our podcast on Twitter? While you're sitting on the toilet, not doing anything? I mean, don't judge me. I might already do that. <laughs> so, make sure that you guys follow our Twitter so you can Keep up with all of the latest twits that we release at a pod, at pod thing on Twitter. Or if you have things that you would like us to talk about, or if you have any questions for us or about things we've talked about, you can contact us via our email address at a thingpod at gmail.com. So last week we kind of missed talking about something. Yeah, it's it's the elephant in the room right now. Um, a lot of things have happened, so... so we're just going to talk about the rest of the series, so that's right, we're going to talk about all of the boys. Yes, we get all of the boys, crack open your cold ones, because we've got four episodes to get through. So we're going to do a lot of talking and in no particular order. And I think the first thing I want to start with is, what do you think of the female? She is fucking fantastic. I... I think she has probably the most interesting storyline to me just because she was kidnapped, made into basically, you know, put into this whole military situation, has is trying to get her brother. And like, I, I just like watching her character progress because she gets like better and better, like more trusting with Frenchie. And like their relationship is just like the cutest thing on the face of the it planet. It really is. And then, and she's just, she. She has her own powers, essentially. She just Are they really her own, though? Well, or were they given to her forcefully? 
Is anybody's powers really their own? I mean, no. I would say definitely not, thanks to Compound V. So, yeah. Oh, by the <laughs> way, there's going to be a lot of spoilers because we're not really going in order. No, this is, so, this is just pure talk. I finally right. finished the series. You've, I've got a lot of thoughts and a lot happened. And it, I mean, it all melted. So yeah, we're so fine. You find out A-Train been shooting up Compound V. Right. Shoots it up before the race. That's the only way that he can maintain being the fastest man because fun fact about drugs, kids. They destroy your body. As evidenced by his heart attack. <laughs> Thank goodness Starlight was there to save the day. Oh, Starlight. The poor, precious, like, Midwestern bean going to the big city. Who speaks out against her employers, essentially, becomes Miss Empowerment. Dun, da, da, da. She turns her back on religion and speaks out against her company, and she's got such a high following as a result of it. Because at the end of the day, that media score is all. Yep. Her character arc is interesting, though. Yes. To see how the character matures as quickly as she does. Especially yes. the confrontation with her mother about Compound B. Right. So it's it's cool to kind of see, like, and, like, even, like, with her, like, going back to, like, when they went to the whole, like, church festival thing and all of that stuff. So it was, like, interesting to see, like, how not bought into it she was so quickly after being out of it for only a couple of months you know because i could definitely tell like she you know she is a sheltered child mom was very strict it was you know her mom was a pageant mom but amplified because she was also a super a super pageant mom super pageant mom <laughs> the new tlc series coming to you next fall god then we're gonna get like super honey boo boo shit no thank no, you no I, I don't need, need a, that no. i don't need a super honey boo thank you that's the last thing i want I'm so happy that she's finally, like, died off in terms of the internet. Right. Because... Thank God. No, no, get cat memes. I'm... Cat memes may come back. Oh, I'm so happy about cat memes. I, I'm still posting them in my work group chat because, you know, it's just what's relevant to all of our lives. No, but Nancy, yeah. you know what's relevant to all of our lives? The fact that Jeffrey Epstein did not murder himself. Wait, you can't murder yourself? Nope. Like... He didn't kill himself. <sighs> See, and here I thought... That he did. No. I've learned something today, guys. Jeffrey Epstein did not kill himself. So, moving on. So, moving on. But yeah, so seeing Starlight really, like, come into her own very quickly. And that's something that I can relate to as well. Um, personally, just because I've, I've had, I grew up in the Midwest. Not necessarily Cornfield Midwest. Um, like, Chicago Midwest. Still count, you know, still counts. Um... But there, there was definitely, like, the sheltering parents and then, like, figuring out, like, who you are as a human being and all that other stuff. And she makes a lot of growth really quickly, turns her back on religion, says, fuck you to the machine, and then just is kind of, like, riding off of that. Right. While also falling in love. Oh, falling in love with Huey. You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something. Huey's, like, definitely, like right up my alley in terms of like men that like i don't have an answer to but for some reason are just so attractive to me okay i don't know why i don't know what like the tall lanky big nose huge adam's apple kind of scruffy hair like no body mass to them whatsoever does but for some reason i'm I'm always all over that so then nancy are you a uh, pro jared fan by chance his nose is a little too big for me. Gotcha. <laughs> there is a limit. <laughs> if it doesn't fit in the regular size, like, 
nostril cover when you go to the dentist when they give you all that laughing gas and they need to get you the extra large. It's a little too big for me. Good to know. <laughs> no, but I do actually when you're talking about the festival, what did you think of the scene where he basically blackmails the the uh, stretchy religious superhero? Honestly, I enjoyed the baptism scene a little bit more. And it's only because I had I was almost baptized is to my grandma Lola. Oh. And I'm okay. not allowed in that church anymore. <laughs> it was it's a full story. I don't think I'll tell it today. Gotcha. But it is a great story. If you want to hear it, let us know. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely not allowed in that church anymore. Like we were like whatever it's called when you get barred from a church. Just I think it's just banned. Yeah, I was just I was just banned. Like my mom included. Like we were blasphemous. We can't cross that threshold. Um, but I really liked him like getting like baptized and his phone gets messed up and Homelander almost drowns him, but then like doesn't. doesn't. Like just kind of like lets you know like this would just be so easy. I know just kidding. Leave her alone. Right. And I'm overprotective dad. He, basically, he he is overprotective dad, and he you we even get the lecture from him and everything of like we've been slacking, and like he has that like tough dad parent parenting moment because obviously like the seven is his baby. Um, we'll get to Homelander in a minute. Yes. Um, but the whole blackmail thing, and I like how they looped it back together. You know, because, like, in the first couple of episodes when um, when Butcher takes Huey to that, like, seedy underground super club, um, we see him getting sucked off by other guys. Yes. Like, it was something that was shown, and it at the time, it was just atmosphere setting. And then it's like, haha, just kidding, that's plot point right there. And then I also, like, r- realized, too, was that, like, a lot of the cocktail waitresses were walking around with that bright blue liquid mm-hmm. and like that was something that i had thankfully made the connection of later and i'm like oh, compound fate so now like i definitely have to rewatch it because this this show has a lot of rewatchability it does it, so it, you you notice as you're watching after you start finding out about certain things you're like wait i think i saw that earlier and then you go back and notice oh yeah, yeah i did I, how it starts dropping hints early as to things that you should you can pay attention to right speaking of things to pay attention to homeland Yes. Oh. Huh? So let's just talk about his whole persona first. Right. So one thing I wanted to ask you about is the plane. Okay. What do you think? What were your feelings? On him and Queen Mob basically having to leave and not take anybody. Yes. Like, like and she's trying to take the girl at least. But the girl's still gonna talk. And if he can fly, why didn't he just go underneath and lift up the plane? Right. Like. But I know, like, he had, like, unfortunately, I don't know all of Homelander's superpowers. I would, like, I would imagine it's a super, like, Homelander Superman confirmed. Yes. Um. So, within that realm of comparison, he could have easily saved them. But him flying the plane would have been a more heroic action and since he couldn't fly the plane because he laser beamed the fucking area with his own eyes so it was his own fault on top of it you know so since it wasn't going to be as like pr friendly it wasn't like it wasn't going to happen and like unfortunately some like you have to take you have to take the l's to make the the wins look better so in like them trying to you know get in with the military at that point 
is like, okay, so like, yeah, we were like, unfortunately, we we weren't able to try our best, like, but you know, things happen. And since no one would have lived to tell the tale of what had actually happened versus if he would have taken the girl, maybe one day she would have spoken out, right? Yeah, like probably. I was on, I was on this and da, da 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 I was on this plane. This is what really happened. Like after she got a little bit older. So like, I see, I see Homelander's point of why he did everything that he does, because he's still very much like in the marketing side of the seven and Vought and, you know, really helping you know, get them into the military, which would basically just change the whole game since they were creating supervillains anyway. Right. So, so. yeah, I, I see why he did it. Like, it was super sh- but like, from like a character standpoint, I get it. But the whole, so what about his relationship with his boss? I mean, I would say boss, but I don't really know if she is his boss in a way. I know they report that she kind of gives them the assignments. Right. And oversees it, but is anybody really Homelander's boss? No, because he could... Given... given the fact that he's basically Superman, like, it's it's safe to say, like, he can still kind of basically do whatever he wants because fuck you, who are you going to tell him what to do? That's like the Rick Sanchez part of it. Like, right. you don't tell me what to do. But, I mean, the relation... I saw that coming. You know, like how I said, like, I thought the baby was, like, home kid. I have now learned a lot more since then. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at least I had, I could could see the, the, you know, the sexual underlying thing between their relationship. While also, at the same time, the disturbingness of, like, the mother relationship. And it makes so much more sense why he's jealous of that baby. Right. It's almost disturbing. Yes. Not as disturbing as the deep in his gill scene, but disturbing. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Like, every time I think about it, I just, like, my entire body just, like, recoils and, like, my, I feel, like, I know my intestines can't do this, but they're moving on their own because yeah, they're it's... trying to get as centered into my body as possible to keep those fucking nasty, like, Ohioan fingers out of my like see this is why you don't mess with ohio ohio is the florida of the midwest like (laughs) he got sent there because starlight spoke out of the whole you know the whole blowjob fiasco night of which in the comic book it's actually homelander okay who makes her do it See, but I I like that they, I like that they did the deep, like, knowing that, like, it was going to be Homelander, because, like, he's already got so much plot tied to him already, so it's nice to kind of put some extra investment um, into other characters, which is nice, Um, and this was something that I was talking about with Corey, too, is, like, how dirty they did the deep, but I also understand why. Yeah. Um, And it was because he, he was, like, finally gaining, like, a conscience, like, a conscience, being a superhero like and he was like working on personal de- growth and development and trying to make he himself a better person did he though <laughs> <laughs> did he really rescue that dolphin let's look. okay so I let's know, talk about dolphin. that <laughs> let's talk about that scene for a minute <laughs> because like they're just and like i like that he just has like casual conversation and we have to kind of gleam what they're talking about because they never translate what nope. the animals are saying which i appreciate because it's just like 
you know, this is what I think the dolphin said, but it's different from what you probably thought the dolphin said. Do I remember what the dolphin said from what I thought it said? Probably Probably not. not. But, um, um, (laughs) like with that whole scene of like him just like having the conversation and then just like slamming on the brakes and then the flying (laughs) dolphin. And then it's like, you know, it could survive that because dolphins are mammals and, you know, all that stuff. But then the semi just comes and completely obliterates it. And <laughs> just I was like, what the fuck? I mean, it's a better life, I guess, than living in an aquarium. Yeah. He had a small taste of freedom. And There's... for a moment, he flew. Yes. You have to be one with the air. Yes. So and it then was... he was one with the truck. Many with the truck, because he was blown to smithereens. There were many pieces of dolphin all over the place. Um, But yeah, so like you can see like the deep is like developing a little bit more of like that good guy character, like kind of buying out of the whole like media aspect of it and like actually wanting to like do good for the planet, right? Um, And because of that, he gets absolutely shit on. Yep. And that that I think is like the most beautiful show could have sent is like, you know, these people, they're all egotistical. They have their seedy underlings and they're the ones that are still continuing to be successful, right? Yep. Even Vought with the whole supervillain thing, which like we're going to get into because like I have a lot of thoughts about it too, <laughs> right? Because I, I have a lot of thoughts about the show in general. Um, But yeah, so he basically, he gets shit on because he was trying to be a bigger person. And it was, you know, and they tried to tell a similar story with Starlight, but because I feel that she actually like brings more to the table in terms of superpowers, it's on a different level, so they can't just, like, take her out, right? You know? Right. Because, like, she she probably has enough, like, gusto to do something to Homelander. Yeah. And, like, and that's saying, and that's just me talking, not reading the comments that I know do exist. I feel like if anyone's gonna take, like, otherwise she wouldn't be so, as, like, important as she is. Like, she could probably take out Homelander with her nice blasty eyes and... Maybe. I mean, it depends on the situation her eyes are being blasty in. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, if she's really feeling it, like, it's just soft, gentle glow. Just enough to, like, really, you know, enhance it. Um, otherwise, yeah, close your eyes or you're gonna be blind. So, yeah, the supervillains. The what super were villains. your thoughts? I mean, I knew that that was gonna come. Because mm-hmm. um, once I really started, like, learning about, like, like, just paying attention to, like, how corporate Vaught is like it's just the best way to put it. It's corporate. Yeah, it's corporate superheroism. Yeah. It's it's we have where it's a private. They say it's a private security company support. It's basically the Vought plot line mm-hmm. and them rigging it in every possible way to maintain that they get that support so that they can have more funding. It's it's corporate. You get your fingers in everything to manipulate to play to your favor, right? So obviously, like and like that's. I mean, that's business decisions. Yeah, I mean, it's all based around them joining, getting supers in the military. In fact, they go so far as having Homelander shoot the fake commercial. Or shoot the, not the fake commercial, but the commercial at the fake home. Oh, yeah, like his, like, backstory. It's like, ah, oh, yes, look at all these uh, baseball trophies I have. And basically make up a story. He takes out over a blanket. Right. Well, that was the blanket that he had with him in the lab. That was, like, legit the only thing of his childhood that he actually had. Yeah. Outside of basically being 11 from Stranger Things. Even though I know it's the other way around, because comic books don't come at me, Internet Man. I haven't read, like, I'm just watching the show. But, um. <laughs> when you see, technically, comic yeah. book came before Stranger Things, so, you know. Yeah, that's the last thing I need is some. Some fanboy. 
Yeah, Coming I don't. After you push it up his 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 Coke bottle spectacles. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say come see me at work, but you gotta take a shower first. So <laughs> don't stutter. Oh goodness, but yeah. So with um with the whole supervillain thing, like I knew it was um because obviously you can you can be super for a while and like basically like friend of like okay so like we're saving these people we're making sure that these disasters are taken care of and like we're active and like we're doing little projects and it's it's how you build a brand it's how you build that corporation but eventually you know they can't just go in and like stop you know bad guys from robbing a bank and all that other stuff you need something to up the ante so supervillains are obviously the next logical step, but then you also have to tie it into like the political climate. So then where do you put the supervillains? In the Middle East. East. <laughs> so they're developing supervillains. We have superheroes that send them to stop them. Yes. And the wars. Yep. So and it also it makes it almost impossible to argue the necessity of having superheroes in the military at that point, because at the end of the day, our army, like, despite all the weapons that they can possibly have at their disposal, are not going to be able to withstand a kamikaze super villain that can survive his kamikaze. Right. That's exactly that. Like, he it's... can aloha snack bar as much as he wants and is still able to walk about his merry way. So, of course, you need a homelander or other superhero to be able to combat that so you've created an assess it's it's supply and demand so the supply of superheroes was too high we need supervillains in order to level out the playing field in order to make superheroes more valuable right. economics 101 children <laughs> <laughs> so something a scene i liked in the show or throughout these episodes one that's actually kind of stuck out to me a bit was when uh butcher took huey to the um, collateral damage support group you know what? It was interesting, but I definitely understand where Butcher was that, and that honestly, it was the show that it happened to other people. But then the way he and I understand looking back, you understand why he acted the way he did. Yeah, but that was I was team Butcher with that scene before even getting to mm -hmm. the end, and that's just my personal opinion on things. Is is the whole like victim card and it's like you know you love them like at the end of the day otherwise like you wouldn't be here otherwise you'd be angry rallying and like also dude needs support he's taking on an entire like he's taking on like the entire corporation the entire corporation plus the best products that come with it he is the 99% he that is 100% what he is well no the, that is 99% what he is yes so not 100 yes not 100 um so, but I liked it too because, like, it it did give insight to Butcher's character. Okay. Um, and it did also pose some questions of like, okay, why is he like this? And then it's like, okay, now I'm like super invested in his storyline, right? And then being able to get, I love the flash. I know every TV series and they streaming series, they all have like facts. These were done well, but these were done very well, and they were also a lot later season which i appreciated too because it gave me enough time to get 100 percent invested into all the storylines that have been established before giving me that back lore that i really was like needing for context so to like 
learned that his wife worked at Vought and everything that had kind of gone with there, which I think is what we'll probably wrap up on because that's how the series ends. But like being able to get that like taste of it and like he was still like a super grumpy like asshole man, but he was in love and he was happy and that got taken away from him. So I don't blame him for going on this rampage. Right. And one thing about this is you get that whole conspiracy vibe with his character. That's been my favorite part of the show. I don't know if you could tell with any of the discussions I've been having today. But it's one of my favorite things about the show is how they keep that conspiracy alive throughout the whole thing until the reveal at the end, which we'll get to. We'll get to. There's some other things we, we can talk about here. Right. Um, one thing I'd still like to learn, you had actually mentioned it, was what happened between Mother Milk's wife and Butcher. I know. That is like one of like the biggest like questions on the plus side, we are getting the boys season two. Yes. So maybe we'll get that then. But, you know, Butcher has this whole, like, he's got such a way with these women, right? Like, all of the people that he goes to for help and advice are super powerful women, which I also really appreciate. You know, between the FBI and, like, his, like, um, his old mentor and, you know, all of this stuff, right? So, like, he's got these women that can't stand him but still help him right or let like put things aside and focus at the matter at hand right so it's like you know it speaks a lot to like his charisma he's got a really high charisma buff like right yeah butcher's he has he has a full full 20 in charisma yeah full 20 in charisma probably you know lacking in like lacking in intelligence you know and it's more he um he may not have the best uh, persuasion ability but he can be intimidating right so it's a it's a balance that he walks but like knowing what happened there because like it's nice that like he gets like a full-on face slap and he's like hi how you doing right it's like you could probably imagine that his cheeks have no feeling at that point then what did you think of mesmer so first off having Haley joel osmond in like anything is already great i loved him in future man i love when he shows up and thinks that I'm watching because right. that's basically what his entire MO is. Um and it's funny too, like he's definitely been typecasted as more like that weaselly character in everything that I've seen him in as of late. So for his super power to basically be to like look into people's minds is the most thing that you could have given him in terms of yeah. a superpower. So it fits his typecasting too, which I find it's like just a super typecasting. <laughs> um and like he still has that very punchable face. Yeah. Like still definitely want to punch the shit out of him. Face. But I have never like I've felt so satisfied watching Butcher Butcher slam his face into that sink <laughs> over and over. And that was f- brutal. Uh-huh. Like and like the the way that it looked to ooh. Like, ooh, that hit my gore heart. And I was just like, yeah, give me more. If this show doesn't do anything, it does gore very well. It does do gore it's very tasteful well. tasteful gore. Not yeah. over the top. It's perfect for what they're contextualizing it doing. Yeah, example, they're not scared to go there, but they're not going to overdo it. They and give like, you Explosion just... translucent. You expect gore to be all over the place. And you get gore all over the place because it was a fucking explosion. You know, he bashed his face on the sink. You expect there to be blood and gore. and The face is. being bashed in, which was like the other, like, I mean, like, skin was missing. Yeah. Like, it was like, oh my god. It was so good. So, like, and, like, I know his character was important, and it did help us with Kamiko. Yes. Um, Learning about her. 
learning about her background, um, which I thought was super cool, like that we got a little bit more with her. Um, and I really, I love the scene where she's just like locked herself in the bathroom and like finally brushed out her hair and painted her nails red instead of blue. Yep. Um, which was super cool. And like, she was just like learning herself again after all the bullshit she went through. Cause like getting locked up and being fed a super, you know, super power maker yeah serum isn't necessarily the best way you want to spend your life you know right but i mean and she also leads to the big key discovery in the show that superheroes aren't born they're literally made right because the conf makes money yep you they get approached they pay people and then eventually if the superhero if the superpowers develop they get a good return on investment which is basically what starlight was is like they approached her her mom and was like, hey, can we do this? And then she's like, oh, yeah, which is why her dad left, which, like, would yeah. make sense. Like, you don't want to lie to your daughter. And then, of course, in order to, like, distract her, it's like, oh, you've been chosen by God. So then, like, for her to turn her back on religion and then to find that news out, too, is, like, you know, it kind of puts the nail in the coffin for the mom. So it was a really good through line yep. um, in terms of, like, character development. So, and then, like, oh, we're going to just make a super baby. And then in their in Vought's case it became a really good return on investment because no matter what Starlight did, she had a huge fan base, like fan following. So she was able to make a whole bunch of money for them after them dumping Compound V into her. Yep. It's true. I mean, and that's an interesting, the whole Compound V storyline itself was just interesting because they first started off thinking it was like a performance enhancing drug. Like a steroid. Which, in a sense, it was. Right. For those who already had the powers from it. Then they kind of started digging deeper into the hospitals, and that was really cool. I love the the detective work. (laughs) The detective work was great. I will never get over Butcher using the baby as a fucking weapon (laughs) to get out. He's just like, I'm just picking up the baby. And then he's like, and he like, and then he shakes it a little bit. (laughs) Just work. <laughs> and then the baby finally like opens its eyes. It definitely has shake shaken fetal syndrome now. Oh, like I'm just sure, like... But... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, oh my god. That was one of my favorite scenes of this. That was another one of like my top scenes for this movie. It's just the way he shook the fuck out of the baby just to get the eyes yes. to turn on. It was almost as bad as him, like when you you know when the ba- the flashlight's not working and like the batteries are kind of loose, he smacked the back of the battery to get the light to turn on. Yeah. I was almost waiting for that to happen. Oh well, I guess really to kind of wrap things up, the end of this show. Yes, because it did have an ending. There's a lot more to talk about. We may do an episode where we can talk a lot more about it, but Keep us within time. Yeah. Because, I mean, we didn't even talk about Mallory. We haven't talked about Mallory at all. Oops. Because um, <laughs> that, that's a whole other character that's just interesting to see. And just, I can't help you. She's the only one who his charisma charms don't work on. Not all the way. She's, I mean, she gives, she throws the man a bone. She throws him a bone. She's like, she goes like, eh, barely. Yeah. I'm just going to watch my birds. I'm I'm watching my birds because this is your fault. I'm watching birds right now. Yep. So, yeah, Mallory's a whole... We're going to have to... Because I still have a lot of thoughts. We will both end up re-watching it and maybe... Maybe do an actual, like, full analysis. Yeah. Eventually. 
Eventually. We'll add to the to-do list. We, we've, we've got a laundry list of things we want to see what happens but, when you start a Let's Talk, guys. Yeah. Start talking about too much. <laughs> but the end of this, so the end of the boys, the big reveal is that Butcher thought his wife was dead. After Homelander raped her. Raped her. No, she was pregnant and taken away. And right. had been alive this whole time raising Homelander's son. Yes. And it was to believe it was to be believed that Homelander was never gonna be able to have any kids. And it's because, you know, he was pumped full of compound V. In a lab. In a lab. And he was basically developed and then it became like streamlined almost in a way. Yeah. He was like the guinea pig. Yes. And he was a guinea pig that actually worked. And, you know, they were like, oh, well. He's sterile. He's sterile. Like, he won't be able to produce, which is why they were also so adamant on, like, pumping into fresh babies all the time. Mm-hmm. It was Basically. a weird way to... <laughs> anyway. Anyway. I'm not on a watch list, I promise. Um, not yet. Not, yeah, I know. It's it's bound to happen any day now. Um, this but is the way. This is the way. So, and then for him to like actually create this, so it's like obviously like that experiment they need to, um, they need Monitor. to explore. Which I also appreciated because when he went in, uh to talk to the scientist doctor that was mm-hmm. you know conducting tests on him, and like he was an old man reflecting, he's like, "You should have grew up in a loving home." They're giving that to Homelander's son, right? Which I was like, oh. <gasps> So it's going to be interesting to see how like that develops and then like the way their light, their their lights, their eyes glow, like when they're looking at each other, he's like, I'm your father. And I'm like, what the fuck? But then like, he looks just like him. So it's like, I got that. But it's just mm-hmm. like, wait a second. Poor Butcher. Right. Like oh. your heart breaks for the guy. He's been led this whole time to believe she was dead. Instead, she's being paid by Bot to raise him and her son that she yeah, yeah, like basically, and she like kind of looked at him like, eh. <laughs> I'm rich, bitch. Yeah, like I, I, I'm living the life I want, and it was just, and that's how it ends. So, it's gonna probably spark off more of a vendetta for Butcher for sure, right? And, and now we're gonna be even more mad, right? Because she's alive. Why haven't you bothered to contact me? Like, she knows. It's not like she didn't. Like, she was in the super world, right? You know, and, like, that right. was her husband. And, like, they seemed very much in love. And then all of this happened. So, you know, it, it creates a, like, an emotional dynamic and conflict between those two, too, that we can look forward to in the second season that's coming. Yes. Ah. Um, So I'm going to want a lot more on that because conflict of him looking right at her. She's alive. Never bothered to contact her. Homelander's like, you're my son. He's getting that information too. So there's there's a lot that just has to be unpacked next in that next season. Just right. from that, like, there's a lot that's couple gonna minutes. Come a... And we'll talk more about a next season on a predictions episode as it gets closer to it. Nice. After we have a nice rewatch and we have a chance to actually talk a little more in detail about these episodes. Um, We'll have a prediction right before season two comes out. Sounds like a plan. And our next show we're going to start watching is a show on Amazon Prime that I haven't seen yet. Neither have I. So it's going to be interesting. It'll be a first for both of us. Uh, we'll about be watching. Time. 
we'll be watching Carnival Row. Dun, dun, so dun, we'll see how that goes. Dun, 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 dun. It's got Orlando Bloom in it. It can't be that bad, right? No. Orlando Bloom is one of the one of the men I don't mind looking at continuously forever. So we'll see. It's a fantasy noir. So we'll see. Should hit the wheelhouse pretty well. I it's, wonder if they're going to be perfect dicks. Well, you know, I mean, Amazon hasn't really done bad on shows that I've watched. Right. I mean, The Tick was really good. The Tick was fun. The, um, the episodes I've watched have been fun. The Boys is really good. The Boys is Jack Oof. Ryan's pretty solid. I'm going to watch that eventually, but that's also just not my type. No, it's definitely not. It's more action-oriented. I mean, it's got the espionage element of it. it got conspiracy that connect the dots to how they link these things together. It's got that in it, so that might hit your wheelhouse a little bit. The acting's well done. The shots are real well. And I also get to look at... What, John Krasinski? Yes. I was totally spacing on his name. I was going to call him Jim in, like, he, 0.5 um... seconds afterwards. I get to look at him, like, being a buff boy. But it's just... It's not in your wheelhouse. I would rather like, it be a movie. Yeah, the content is not is not something you'd be interested in watching as a show, aside from maybe just the spy elements of it. Right, but if like if there's not enough spy elements to keep me, season one going... was more than season two. I'll give you that. I will give it that. I think you enjoy season two. Okay. Season one had to build up everything, so it had a lot of those spy elements. Right. It was connecting an international terrorist ring to some weird purchases he saw. Okay, but anyways, we're not going to be talking about Jack Ryan. We're going to be talking about Carnival Row. So we can look forward to that. More deep dives. And yes. All right. Well, on to the next thing, I suppose. So, you know, Nancy, just in time for the new episode of Mandalorian later in the week, Disney's added a resume feature, essentially. I continue watching. It's back. Thank goodness. Do you have any idea how difficult it is for me to keep track of anything in my life, let alone my binge history? Right. Like, I have a hard enough time keeping track of the shows that are still on my watch list, let alone what I'm still watching on them. Right. Like, what episode I left on? Did I even finish the episode? <laughs> like I, was... I had to go back and finish watching my, uh, my Bill Burr comedy special that was on Netflix. And thankfully, Netflix has remembered I had this much time left. This is where I left off. So it had my back. So I'm glad Disney finally got that all wrapped back up into a nice little mouse bow. Yes, it's actually useful now because I have a habit of falling asleep watching things late at night. So I can actually go back to the last coherent thing I remember by where it stops playing and tries to pick me back up at. Right. (sighs) With that being said, it's time to talk about The Mandalorian. Mando! Episode 3. Yes, and this was this was a really good episode. Because it invoked a lot of emotion out of me that I, I wasn't ready for. Because I've been trying to stop all emotions. But nah, man, Baby Yoda just, like, hits me in the feels. Don't come for me, Internet. I'm calling him Baby Yoda. I will physically fight anyone who tries to say, well, no, he's not Yoda. Well, you know what? It's an accurate descriptor because we don't know the name of the race. We don't know anything about the race. We don't know the planet the race is from. So we have nothing else to call them other than, what do you, I mean, you want me to say baby Yoda race? I might as well just say baby Yoda. Save me a couple of syllables. Yes, we're going to take the Kevin from the office for 
Kevin from the office approach. Why say many word when few word do same trick? Save time all parties. Right. <laughs> this week, Mando. He deliver child to client. Client give money. Best car steal. Don't know how long we can do this. So I can't. I, I have to stop there because my brain is already losing so many brain cells as a result of it. <laughs> you brought it upon ourselves. It's my own it's my own fault for my own stupidity. I don't know why let anyone lets me do anything. <laughs> and yet here we are. Here we are on our let's talk yep. with someone who can't word good. <laughs> Not today, apparently. I can't word good any day, and I've got a good plethora of evidence to further that point, so. But did you break the code? No, not yet. Because Mando went against the code, because he asked about the plans for the baby. I don't blame him. Dude's so cute. And like, do you see those huge eyes and those big ears? I want to know what was going on with that poor thing, too. And, like, they did a good job of, like, explaining why Mando yeah. was emotionally, like, impacted by little baby Yoda. So I appreciated that. All the trauma. Because as he, you know, asks about everything and he, you know, we have those, like, flashbacks of him. Being found. Being found. That's why he's a After foundling. After his parents went boom. <laughs> Hence why he's a foundling. He was, he was found. We gotta make sure we have enough steel for the foundlings. They would appreciate it. Yes, and I do like that he got all new armor out of it. It so, looks I mean, so cool. He turns into steel, gets the armor, gets into a fight. With a buff boy, not just like anyone. He is a... Like a heavy infantry dude. Yes, he is like linebacker ready to just totally wreck your day and is like i'm going to kill you and mando's like okay bring it on and then they're both there they end like ready they're both at like the point where it's like we could both die here one of us sneezes and then it's and then it's just this is the way this is the way the way do you know do you it's gonna bring it back in one way or another. Watch, I'm waiting to see the the uh, the um, knuckles cross Mandalorian memes to come. Please, I miss Uganda Knuckles. Unless... One of my one of my top memes of 2019 or even of the past decade. I'm putting Uganda Knuckles on that list. Unless Spoiler. you know Disney pulls them like they did all the Baby Yoda gifs and gifs. Yeah, <laughs> I all because of copyright, which isn't yep. fair because. We have so many other gifs slash gifs of many other Disney things that happen. There's Hercules, like all the animated stuff, stuff from their Disney Channel like series, all the movies, the Disney Channel original movies that they had come out. But for some reason, we can't have anything nice and they take our sweet, precious baby Yoda bean away. So now I'm stuck doing still memes instead of gif gif reactions. Right. I mean, come on now. Anyway, so the Mandalorian does go and get some, go get a couple of bounty chits from his nice, I guess his local guild head, Grief. Played yeah, by the one and only Carl Weathers. 
looking dapper as ever, being a rich man now and all, because starts of course walking. he gets a payout. I like the scene that he starts walking to the ship. The shifter's not on the, the knob's not on the shifter, and he just looks at it and just basically you could tell he probably has that look on his face of, all right, I'm gonna go get the kid. Yeah, it it has that very like impactful like, oh, it's not a toy. I kind of miss him. I like the way he just kind of like screws it back on, all sad. Like it's it's very intent, intentful, full of intent. I don't know which way I want to use that on how he screws it on. And then by the time he's done, he's like, all right, time to go yep. get that kid. And I love how he infiltrated the base. It was nice and sneaky. And, you know, by this point, if you haven't already figured it out, because we were too lazy to say it, spoilers. <laughs> I mean, how long have we been doing this now? Well, I know, we're on but... episode three of The Mandalorian. We have been anyway. reviewing things on this pod. <laughs> they should know. Anyway, back to the let's talk. I like <laughs> the infiltration scene of how he gets in the base. He, like, he just breaks the droid the stormtroopers come out he's got they kind of look around start going around he goes around back and blows out a wall <laughs> it's like i'm gonna distract them this way for big boom and then walks through the big the big wall burst that he had created and is then all of a sudden just metal gear solid soliding his way through <laughs> he's sam fisher he, the helmet he did not hide under boxes yeah that's why he's sam fisher Okay, that works. Because he went up and <laughs> sneaky boyed his way around. He Sam Fishered him, took him out, shot only when necessary, spared the scientist. Which I was very... Who, I don't know if you picked up on the patch on his jacket yet. Wasn't it the Rebellion? No, it's the cloners from Camino. Oh, see? Shows how much I know. With so... The answer's nothing. <laughs> I'll get back to my my reason for pointing that out at this point now in a moment when we get to the end of this because I have got two theories that lead up to what could be going on. <gasps> Corey theories! Yay! But he gets the baby. It goes back to his ship and then gets ambushed by all the other bounty hunters. And that oh. fight scene is like just screamed Old West to me. It was great. Like... They showed up on Didn't... their flying horses. <laughs> flying horses. You had people perched up on top of buildings, like ready to take the shot. And you had the one negotiator coming forth. Like, get on the speeder. Put the baby on the speeder. <laughs> and Honestly. no one gets hurt. Honestly, I like how he's sitting there and he's taken out so many of them and realizes he's pinned, he's probably screwed, and then the cavalry shows up on their rocket horses or, you know, jetpacks. And all and he says... I need to get me one of those. I gotta get me one of those. <laughs> I like the... I like the increase of dialogue that we get out of Mando from this. Because first episode, he was very stoic, didn't say much, and, like, we're starting to get a little bit more personality as the show is going on and yes. just like his level of like fuck <laughs> that he hits yeah. and how he, um... quickly he's hitting it each episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah but he makes his grand escape with help of the other mandalorians who now will have to relocate their base because they, they move everyone came out they they came out in drones they didn't come out one at a time like they were supposed to they came out because this is the way is the way 
this episode did a really good job of setting up the Mandalorians as in general, as a, as, as a race, essentially as a tribe in star Wars, because it shows you how honor bound they are. Unlike the Fets. Right. <laughs> who take and... off their helmets and. Yes. And they, they even, they set this up like kind of more like the beginning. It's like, Oh, you know, to hear about a Mandalorian, you know, just is is more of like a fable. It's it's almost like an old wives' tale at this point, right? Because everyone thought like the Mandalorians were just like they were taken out, and then they tie it back to um, the big buff Mandalorian. <laughs> it's like we hide. We used to, you know, we used to run this bitch basically, and now we hide underneath. And then they come out and they just they show people what they're made of and how guns are part of their religion. <laughs> right like every white blooded american as well <laughs> it's the best way to put it i suppose but i do like they get on the ship to leave and he gives the child the, the well we're um, missing a really thing but yeah we are skipping over the fact that he shoots carl weathers in the chest and he survives because of the steel yes like and that was just i, I think it was very well done and it speaks to the honor code of the Mandalorians, even still. And then also the relationship that, like, you know, has already done been established over this time, because obviously he's a very renowned bounty hunter up until the point where this happens. <laughs> and they've they've set up his legacy, even without doing like flashbacks, like all the crazy stuff he's done. And obviously, being a very successful bounty hunter, you have a good relationship with your your headhunter well and now it's setting up the series it seems it's going to be more of them escaping from bounty hunters every episode because Ooh, every bounty yeah. hunter in the galaxy had a fob and they all they all started going off when he took the baby and i wonder how much they're going to explore the significance of Baby Yoda. Because if if I know Disney and how cash grabby and money hungry they are, if this continues to be as successful as it is, seeing as how it's dethroned Stranger Things, how is that going to affect the story going forward? Well, because I know there's it's got a place in the timeline and it's all canon and, and all I, that stuff, but at the end of the day, it's still Disney. So I figured out what this show does for me more than stranger things does this what this show how it does it for me okay the shorter episodes okay so it can hold my attention longer and it's not trying to draw out multiple plot threads at once mm -hmm. um and the pacing pacing has been solid through the first three episodes and that's why this is holding my attention more and why i'm actually looking forward to each episode and the weekly release schedule is another part of it because I it gives say, me a reason to keep watching because it has me interested going, what's next? And I can't watch it now, so it guarantees I'm going to watch it. Yeah, that's something I I will say I am starting to appreciate again because it helps it, it helps me space out my content. Because <laughs> I'm a busy woman. <laughs> I've got shit I have to do. But exactly. So I have the weekly up, updates and it's like, okay. And it being uploaded on a Friday benefits me as a human being greatly it's like i just got i wind down from work and oh 
Mandalorian's on. Let's go. And that's it. I get home Friday, watch The Mandalorian, and then I have an anime I watch that comes up. I watch Food Wars Friday night. So I watch those back to back every Friday. And then my Saturday stream is my uh, my hero. And then Monday is for Watchmen and Rick and Morty. Yes, Monday, Rick and Morty for me, sure. And then Watchmen is so good. Maybe we'll talk about that one one day. But right now, let me talk to you about my theory. Yes, please. Theories, please. So the jacket can be one of two things. Okay. Either they are using cells from Baby Yoda to make a clone of Palpatine. Extracting midichlorians from Baby Yoda's blood to do that. Not the midichlorians. I thought those died off. Or Baby Yoda himself is a clone of Yoda. I almost believe that one more because of how the Jedi Code is. And I don't think Yoda would have been as Yoda had he broken the Jedi vow. You know what I mean? So to have a clone of Yoda would make more sense. Because that's technically not breaking the rules. Yoda was a smart cookie. But see, so it could be one of the either two because of the way the Mandalorian's release schedule lines up. So we have an episode on the 29th, which is a Friday, the 6th, which is a Friday. Then we have one on a Wednesday on the 18th, of, which is a Wednesday. Because what comes out on the 19th? Exactly. So. I don't want to get copyright struck, but y'all know what I meant. If. <laughs> There's something in this show that I'm still betting ties into The Rise of Skywalker. And I guarantee it's something to do with Baby Yoda either being a clone of Yoda, which is the more unlikely one of the two scenarios, and instead being used in a clone of Palpatine since it's confirmed Palpatine's returned. Keep in mind, there was a script for this, for the last, um, for Rise of Skywalker on eBay for sale that one of the actors left under their hotel room. That Disney quickly purchased to make sure spoilers and leaks didn't get out. Oh, I wonder how much how much money did they end up extorting out of? Disney? I don't know. I actually just kind of heard a blurb about that and haven't done much research. We'll actually cover that next podcast. Next, let's talk. Let's go because I want to know more about that because that sounds like someone either like got into a lot of trouble or someone just got one hell of a payout. <laughs> Right. One or the other. Or but, maybe both. <laughs> so what do you think, Nancy? Which theory? So you, you're more going for Baby Yoda being a clone theory? I think so. Because I know that Yoda had his, his hideout on Dagobah. But um, a lot, like, other people would have known, like, through the grapevines. And they obviously have cloning technology, and I don't feel like getting just a little, like, a little Yoda hair off of, you know, the corpse that has since been lying there for, you know, however long. So I I think it's more of like a clone that was made. So it's 50 years old. Yes, it is 50 years old. And at this place in the canon, that would have been born around the time of the Clone Wars. So it's well, possible. It is possible. And if if that timeline is why the timeline wise 
if that's the case, it could be Yoda foreseeing stuff in the future, as we know that he had the ability to do in terms of him warning Luke, like, hey, don't go after Leia and Han. You're not ready. Shit's going to go down. And he did it anyway. And it's like, well, me fuck, I guess. Like, oh, shit, there goes my hand. Bye. (laughs) So he I'm sure there had to be something where he's like, okay, well, I can't necessarily procreate, but like something's going to happen in the Fatuda where I got to focus on like I got to get something done. So cloning doesn't necessarily break the Jedi code. So boom, there we go. Well, I guess we'll have to find out as the series continues and join us for episode four. Yay! I can't wait, but I have to wait a whole week. Hey, Nancy, did you know that you can reach out to us anytime on our Facebook page? Wait, you mean like anytime? Like even at like three in the morning when I'm eating an entire pint of ice cream? They can reach out. Doesn't mean we're going to answer at an odd hour like that, but we do our best to get back to everybody. And for those of y'all wondering, if you just search us up, it's facebook.com slash pod thing. Be able to go ahead and give us a like over there and get notified when we get new episodes up and running or why there's delays. Also, you can always subscribe at anchor.fm forward slash a thing pod. And from there, you can get subscribed on your favorite social media platform out there for podcasts. Do we have a new episode of Rick and Morty out today that we need to talk about? Hoo-wee! Yeah, we do, friends! <sighs> and this one came back. a very special somebody. Somebody that should hold a special place in all of our hearts because he's a very advanced parasite. Yeah. So he teaches a African, a female African studies class. <laughs> And you need to know the significance of Maya Angelou. Do you know the significance of Maya, Maya Angelou? I do. Do you? Of course. That's why I'm well-versed in the arts of karate. Before we get there, let's talk about this heist episode, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> yeah. Because that's Sorry, really guys. what this is. This whole episode is essentially based around the whole concept of the Ocean's Eleven movies, the grand heist movies, the let's get a crew of all these famous people and have a movie heist. And it they was. got some famous people. It did. They got they got the internet meme lord himself. All hail Cybertruck. All hail Cybertruck. Please become all Decepticons. Hail- Wipe me out, please. <laughs> so, yeah, so basically, Rick gets like out heisted, quote unquote, but he would never say that because he hates heists. And basically, he's into stealing shit for the, for the actual items and not for the quote unquote art. Yeah, he likes actually just being a thief. Not not like just, hey, I'm doing this because I can. He's just doing it because he's Rick. There's a big difference. Like, you have a thing that I want, and it's mine now. You get to decide how it's mine, but either way, it's still mine. That's Rick's mentality. Versus... Yeah, you see the, thing? the shiny thing? You have it. I want it. Now you're dead. It's mine. It's Rick. <laughs> I, you have it. I want it. Fuck you. <laughs> Murderized. Oh, and I'm so happy. We'll get there. I won't talk about it now because we should just, you know, 
talk about how he assembles just this like random hodgepodge and all of this like this this episode is so dumb i just like the oh yeah i'm in you son of a bitch okay everybody just oh you son of a bitch i'm in yep you son of a bitch i'm in so and i love that it it plays on all the the heist movie tropes of like actually like getting the team together and like the the insight to what the team's been doing the witty banter yes. like between all of that and it really does a great job of just cementing why heist movies are so dumb. I'm I'm definitely on hashtag Team Rick for this one. All right, I I'll be honest. I enjoy like the ocean. I I have a soft spot for the Ocean's Eleven movies. I own all four of them. I'm fine with the first one. I was great with the first one. I did not need 12, 13, 14. I didn't need the women's well, remake. Once I don't a heist have the movie, women's remake. Always no, 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 a no, no, heist no. movie. No. <laughs> I have the original with Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack. Then I have the one they made with George Clooney. And then the other two sequels just ended up coming on the same DVD set because it was like 10 bucks. Okay. I, I won't. <laughs> That's why I own them all, but I've only I only regularly will watch Oceans Eleven and Twelve because at least Twelve, while still just a heist movie, is at least mildly entertaining. Oceans Thirteen, at least you get to see Al Pacino. I'll give it that much. Okay, it's got like, its little highlights, but like yeah, but it wouldn't be something like oh let's go watch Oceans Thirteen. No, let's let's watch Oceans Eleven. You can watch the one from the sixties or the one from the earlier two thousands. Take your pick. Right. Or we can watch both, compare, contrast, but we're not Maybe going we past will. that. What did I do? <laughs> hey, look, you just came up with an idea. Hey, coming soon. You're welcome. Don't say I don't do anything for you. So, you see how truly you detest heist movies. Oof, they're rough, man. I've I've never liked them because because the same reason they're stupid, they're cliche. Everything is so predictable with the whole like, oh, now we've got a double cross and then an extra double cross. And it's like, that's I, been my plan from the beginning. And it's just, and it's not mind blowing. It's so surface level. Yes. Do you like Indiana Jones? I do, but it's different. And that's, But they're heist movies. I understand that they're heist movies. But first off, Harrison Ford is a babe. So... Even even though he's looking a little rough now, <laughs> like I still, if the opportunity arose, I'd have to think about it, but I'd still probably say yes because it's Harrison Ford. The whole time he'll just sitting there with you, just a and you know what? That'll be enough for me. That'll be enough for me. But I, Indiana Jones does something with the heist movie that I don't know makes it makes it more enjoy more enjoyable for me because there's like a level of absurdist to it there's some mysticality behind it it's not necessarily like getting a team together and like assembling a team it's he kind of acquires people along the way sometimes but it's never truly intentional yeah and it's got it's it's different because it's you know he's doing this to like i mean you know preserve protect and it's more creative. It's not like I'm planning out every step and I've got a plan for that plan for that plan for that plan. A lot of his stuff is he flies by the seat of his pants and kind of figures it 
that as he goes. And that's why I like that more. It's not because it's like, oh, I knew you were going to do that. Because that's like when you're playing, you're playful at school and you're like, rocket launcher, just kidding. I have a force field. Well, my rocket launcher destroys force fields. Well, this is an anti rocket force field destroying force field. I got you. You know what I mean? That's what heist movies are to me. I won't even ask you about mummy about tomb raiding movies then because those are basically just heist movies with a different goal. Yeah, basically. And speaking of tomb raiding, that's exactly what Rick and Morty were doing at the beginning of the episode. Can you come full circle? We're we're look guys, we did it. That's we're getting better. So let's just let's just go head on into this. So they go and have a heist off. Rick heckles and confronts Miles, who is the heist galore galoo guru dude and galoo. the first crew to heist the crystal skull of horowitz wins and consolidates the losing team rick agrees to terms you know already representing his crew which now includes everybody rick had already gotten that he had double crossed rip but then they opened the loot bag and it's just full of rick's shit and morty done. had the morty had the skull the whole time like, hey, is this what we were going after? Yeah. He's just like, how? It's like, I saw your I saw your double crossing, and that's why I made sure I got people that I knew would be the most likely to double cross me, thanks to an algorithm that I had done based off of three heist movies that I fell asleep during. Yep, and that's now they, uh, you you've got Heistatron. You have Heistatron. And then as a result, he goes and, and Rick, he's always one step ahead. Yeah. And now Rick gets his own other team. With my favorite Rick and Morty side character, Mr. Poopy Butthole. I'm sorry, Professor Poopy Butthole. What's a trust yes, his title? Put some put some respect on his name. He's a is professor. It, is it Professor Mr. Poopy Butthole? Is his first name Mr.? It's Mr. Professor Poopy Butthole to you, mister. <laughs> anyway, so he's there, which is great. He goes all karate kid against his class, so he's your karate guy. Had to make sure he still had it. He gets the god Hephaestus. Ventriloquiver, an archer dummy. I think that one's one, probably one of my favorite characters to see them introduce, a ventriloquist dummy. Yes, and just the way, like, shot the arrow. And throws her voice with the arrow. It was very, it was a good uh, misdirection we had there. So that was a nice take on a ventriloquist dummy. And Elon Tusk. The alternate version of Elon Musk. He just has Ah. tusks. Taught him to be a little bit more collaborative. And I, I love that they actually got him. Yes. So the fact that Elon's actually in the episode, him doing his own voice as Elon Tusk is great. So he gets the team together, explains the crew, his crew, the plan of randomly taking order, orders from the robot Randotron, Isotron's antithesis, right? So they're getting random instructions when they're not ready, they're left to do nothing. Isotron shows up, captures Earth, and all hell breaks loose. And then you have another double cross with another cross and then an exchange. And then another double cross. 
And then some rebuttals. <laughs> uh, rebuttals that lasted two hours. I was waiting. I was honestly waiting for the SpongeBob narrator to go two, two hours, hours later. later. I think it would have honestly, if they would have been able to get that from Nickelodeon, which I know it wouldn't be possible because of everything that SpongeBob is going through right now and like with the movie, and then it's also Cartoon Network, not Nickelodeon. But that would have made that episode, I think, probably perfect. Just get that yeah. little snippet. And I think. I think it's funny because he just explodes after he realizes he can't do it. And then they go accompany him. And then Rick goes to the Netflix offices to pitch his show. Yeah. No, it's Morty that goes. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're pitching the show? Come on, Morty, let's go. go. And And then in another plot twist, because you can't have a heist episode of Rick and Morty without one last double cross. Because yeah. Rick technically gets Morty to get out of this whole heist mentality thing by basically orchestrating everything that just happened. Yeah. Get him disinterested in, in writing heist, this heist movie. So they can keep so going on adventures. Forever and ever. Because yes. the stipulation was is that he couldn't convince or he couldn't convince Morty to give up on any dream. Morty has to do it on his own volition. So what did he do? He created Morty's volition. He created Morty's, yeah. Good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> and then, in a post credit scene, Professor Mr. Poopy Butthole asks Rick why he hired the students and ended up getting him fired from his job because he attacked his students. Yeah. And that's why when you need to know about Maya Angelou, you have to be proficient in karate. Karate. Maybe coincidence, or it could be your interest in African American women's studies. We'll never know. I this episode was fun. I won't lie. It was a lot of fun. It was fun because it was so dumb. Like I love this episode because it, it it hit the notes for me in terms of like, I hate these heist movies. I think they're so dumb. And I'm glad I'm not the only person. The su surprise cameo from Elon Musk just made it that much better. And I got Mr. Poopy Butthole, Professor Mr. Poopy Butthole back. Win, 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 win. Across the board. Great episode. Yeah. I did really enjoy this one myself. I just, it gave me some good laughs. It did play on the tropes of, hype, of heist movies really, really well. Um... It brought back some of my one of my favorite characters in just an unexpected way with Mr. Professor Poopy Butthole. I enjoyed it. Yep. Too bad we have Good to episode. wait another couple weeks. Yeah, I hate that we don't get just all this content. And like this one's on like an actual honest to God release schedule because it's on an honest to God TV network mm -hmm. on a streaming service. So they get Thanksgiving break off and then they get to go back. So we've got, we're, we're skipping a week of Rick and Morty because they're skipping. Yep. I just want more content. And we got a couple more episodes and then there's a fucking break and then we get more. Like, yep. No. <laughs> they know how to keep you waiting. And at least the Mandalorian does it with just weekly uploads. And even if they change it to a different day in the week. Right. It's but... still like, you know that there's something coming and it's actually later being released on a Wednesday rather than a Friday. So we actually get our earlier 
because thank you, Disney Lords. Okay, I guess so. But well, anything else, Nancy? No, I honestly think that we wrapped that up in a neat little bow and let's hope that we never have to talk about heists for a while. Right, coming next week, you see our review of the original Ocean's Eleven compared to George Clooney's remake. Which one do we like better? Hold on. <laughs> no. <laughs> coming soon. Make it happen, Internet. Let's do it. Internet, stay out of this. This is between me and him now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Internet's going to be on none of our sides because this is going to be a split even vote. So I think you're safe. Woo! 50-50. No contest. Sure. On that note, we'll leave it in your hands, Internet. Until next time. Bye-bye.